Well, it is 8 o'clock, and I imagine we'll have a few more people join us. But we are going to go ahead and get started with our presentation for this evening. I want to say thank you to everybody for joining us. And welcome to PBS Teachers Live. So if you haven't joined us before, this is a series of free media and technology webinars presented by PBS Teachers and Classroom 2.0. In tonight's webinar, we will talk with the experts behind PBS Kids' newest show, Dinosaur Train, as they introduce educators to the show talking about its creation, animation, and series goals, and discussing the potential of using Dinosaur Train to teach preschool and early elementary children about the natural sciences and to help foster a lifelong connection with nature. Uh, before we get started with the main part of the presentation, I'd like to turn the event over to Steve Hargadon from Classroom 2.0 to help you get accustomed to the Illuminate environment. Hi, everybody. We're sure glad to have you here tonight. This uh, You are in Illuminate, which is a teaching and learning online environment. I want to make sure that you understand that there are ways for you to participate tonight. Um, if you think that um, you would like to ask a question, uh, the easiest way to do so is to do it in the chat area. You've probably been seeing the chat scroll by. You can type a question in the chat there. If at any point in time uh, the, the moderators tonight ask for questions, you can actually raise your hand as well. That's a small icon that's a hand with a green up arrow. And you'll see it's just below the participant box on the left-hand side of your screen. You can also use those little icons to the right of the hand with the up arrow, the smiley face, the clapping hand, uh, to indicate uh, emotion. Uh, there's also a confused look or a thumbs down. We rarely see those. But you are welcome to participate in that way. Um, you can also, uh, if you're having trouble with your audio at any point in time, you can switch to the telephone bridge. And you'll see in your audio area at the bottom left of your screen a small handset icon. Uh, and if you need to, you can click on that and come into the teleconference bridge. Now, the area that says a quick orientation, this is a whiteboard. And we're going to give you permission right now to modify that whiteboard and let us know where you're listening from. So you should see on um, to the left of that map a little wand with a red star at the end. And if you click on that and then click on the map, you can let us know where you're listening from. So the concept concentrated group tonight, uh, mostly U.S. and looks like one in Australia. For those in the U.S., we're going to go to the next screen. And you can do the exact same thing and just give us a little bit more detail about where you're listening from. I hope you have a good time tonight. If you have any questions at all or technical issues, please type in the chat directly to me, and I'll make sure that I help you. And I'm going to turn things back to Tamara right now. Thank you, Steve. Uh, our presenters this evening are Hallie Stanford, Executive Vice President of Children's Entertainment for the Jim Henson Company, Scott Sampson, Paleontologist and Science Advisor and on-air host for Dinosaur Train, and Jordan Brown, the Curriculum Advisor for Dinosaur Train. I'd like to give a warm welcome to all of our presenters. And kicking off our presentation this evening will be Hallie, who will talk to you about the creation and goals of the Dinosaur Train series. Hallie, take it away. 
Hi there. Um, I feel like I'm in Star Trek right now um, <laughs> in some sort of futuristic uh, uh, seminar. Um, it's pretty amazing. Anyway, uh, welcome everyone. Uh, we hope that you all have had a chance to take a look at Dinosaur Train. Um, we have a clip that we'd like to show you uh, in the beginning just to get you familiar with it. And then I'd love to jump in and just tell you a little bit about the series and the characters and their goals. So let's, uh, let's take a peek at this clip. All right, it should be loading up on your screens now. Uh, once the clip loads, you may need to hit play to see the clip. Look at this technology. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, has, if everybody could do a clap to show if you are done with the video, it lasts about two minutes. Yeah, it was. It was. Oh, the participants, as you finish watching, go ahead and do a clap. I see one or two coming in. All right. We'll give about thirty more seconds, and then we'll uh, continue on with the presentation. And don't worry if it's not playing for y'all. You can uh, catch up afterwards, um, certainly going back on the website. Okay. And Hallie, if you would like to go ahead. Yeah, so Dinosaur Train is the premise is about uh, a little T-Rex named Buddy. There he is. And he is adopted and born into a nest of pteranodons. Um, and he wakes up uh, uh, when he's born and says, what am I doing in a pteranodon's nest? And during the course of the first couple episodes, what he discovers is that he is a Tyrannosaurus rex adopted into a family of pteranodons. And they take the dinosaur train, which travels through all different parts of the Mesozoic era, and discovers what kind of species he is. But then it kind of hooks him on learning about dinosaurs. So we love it about adopting a buddy. He's the first dinosaur enthusiast. We all know those little kids that love him. He's the very first one. Um, buddy uh, is very scientific. He is um, curious about everything. He has lots of questions. And as you'll see in the series itself, he has a lot of hypotheses. So he will say, I have a hypothesis for this and that. And he'll go out and touch them. Right next to him, you see his sister, Tiny. Tiny is the tiniest of all the pteranodons, but she is probably the most confident, the most outgoing. She and Buddy are best friends as well as siblings, and she is the one that sort of 
gets out there and gets Buddy to introduce himself, meet new creatures, and together they go on adventures. So we're going to go next, and here we see Mr. and Mrs. Tranadon. Now, if you have a company, we feel that the preschoolers' world should be reflected. Okay, albeit we have, we're in the dinosaur world, but we like to see mom and dad. And these parents are very prominent players in uh, Buddy, Tiny, and Shiny and Don's world. Mrs. Tyrannodon uh, always likes to say, let's take an expedition. Uh, let's go out and sort of uh, take what you're interested in right now and take you on a journey. And that journey, of course, is in the metaphor of the dinosaur train. But she's the mom that's listening, hearing what her kids are interested in, and taking them out there. Mr. Tyrannodon, we kind of like to say he's kind of a sports dad. He's like all about Team Tyrannodon, and he is all about group activities. And I wouldn't say it's about competition at all, but he's definitely about, you know, team time and being together. And he is the parent that plans events. So he might be the one that has tickets to a Corysosaurus concert or tickets to a Dynaball game. So he's planning events for the family to go together. Very loving parents, very loving to one another. So here are the other siblings. Shiny, she's top, uh, she's the aqua shiny one. And Dawn, who's to the right. Shiny is our girly girl. If you can believe in the men's book there was a girly girl, it was Shiny. She is very, very creative. She is also very um, to playing mom. Um, and she is very, very social. Dawn to the right is our collector. He loves to collect scientific things. He has a huge collection. But he's also our comedy relief. He is very silly. He loves to say la la loo, which now my 11-year-old son says all the time. And um, he is just enamored of his uh, brother buddy, too. He just thinks he's amazing and can't wait until he grows up to be a big T-Rex. He actually asks him if he can uh, ride on his shoulders when uh, he's a big T-Rex. So these are our siblings. And they're the ones that go on the adventures on the dinosaur train. They're the ones out there exploring, getting to meet new people. Feel free to say that there's another curriculum going on here. Of course, Jordan and Scott are going to talk to you about the natural science curriculum, but there's also a diversity curriculum. Uh, there, you know, we have an adopted child in this family. We have four different siblings that are incredibly different. And not only that, but we like to say this is the age, this preschool age, where they're getting out socializing, meeting new people, meeting new adults. And so we're kind of watching how our four siblings get out there with mom and dad's help and really socialize and get to know other kinds of creatures out there. Alright, so this is Mr. Conductor. And he is basically our fabulous teacher. He has every fact you want to know about dinosaurs, and of course he is the conductor of the fabulous dinosaur train, which in itself is a learning tool, um, taking you know, everyone through, uh, through the different uh, eras, through the time tunnels. He's a troodon, and he will uh, tell you that troodons are the smartest dinosaurs because they have the biggest brain. Actually, this would be a funny episode of some release. One day Scott discovers another dinosaur that has a bigger brain than the troodon. He'd have a crisis. Anyway, he is super funny as well, but he kind of has a little bit of magic about him too. He has a screen that he pulls down that can show all kinds of graphics and footage on different dinosaurs and diagrams. He also loves to sing. So if you go on the website later and click on to see some of the songs he sings, uh, one of my favorites is uh, Dinosaurs A through Z. He just has a lot of fun information, delivers it in a really whimsical way. And then finally, the dinosaur train. I keep talking about how it you know, travels throughout the Mesozoic era. It goes through the different time periods, the Jurassic, the Cretaceous, the Triassic. It goes through time tunnels. Um, that's how you get to the different periods. 
in itself, uh, it's made up of a lot of different cars. There's a dining car where it serves both herbivores and carnivores. And there's an observation car where you are able to look out into the outside world and check out what's going on. We also have a special aqua car for water creatures. And the caboose, which is my favorite, I would like to liken the caboose to sort of like a discovery center uh, at a science or natural history museum. It's got all kinds of gadgets in there and different um, tools that teach uh, the kids about different types of dinosaurs. And again, it's, uh, it's run by the Troodon. So that's our train. And we uh, visited every episode. And um, uh, that is our dinosaur train. So the final slide. There are all the different kinds of creatures. So, I mean, we have 40 episodes that will roll out over two years, and you are going to meet a lot of dinosaurs. Um, here are some down on the bottom: Morisiosaurus, Dolores Tyrannosaurus, Triceratops, Hank Ankylosaurus. And um, not only are you going to meet all these different dinosaurs, but we're going to learn all kinds of scientific concepts, everything from migration. To um, my favorite fact that I learned that bees actually existed back in the Mesozoic era, and you know things that existed then exist today. And um, we're going to create this wonderful cast of characters. So you're just going to—it's just a rich, rich world that we've created with Dinosaur Train. And very simply, it's about kids have natural interests about the world around them. Let's get them out there, outside, into nature, observing and getting excited about it, asking questions, coming up with hypotheses, um, interacting, and really going out as a family and getting to, uh, getting to get involved with the natural world. So that is Dinosaur Train. And there we go. And if anybody has any questions, I'm happy to answer them at this point. And I'm looking, looking at the screen. I don't see any. Um, and Holly, we could also have people uh, send in their questions in the chat window, and we can save them and do all of a uh, large set of Q and A at the end. And they might think of something between now and then. Okay, good, terrific. Well, also included in Dinosaur Train on PBS are live action segments, and these live action segments are hosted by our fabulous Scott Sampson, paleontologist uh, in residence, and Scott takes the dinosaur or the natural concept that we've learned for the day. And he relates it to the natural world of today. So we're going to learn some very specific dinosaur facts that we couldn't really cover um, in the episode itself, um, or didn't, you know, wanted to get a little bit more in-depth uh, facts on them. And then we're going to relate it to a modern-day uh, uh, animal or concept to sort of say to kids, hey, let's just, you know, let's let's take a look at the natural world as well. Let's uh, let's link them. So we have a clip that we'd love to show you. Um, of Scott in one of these live action segments. All right, we will be happy to do that. And similar to before, I'm going to open a window for you, and you will need to hit play once the window launches to watch. The clip is about a minute and a half long, and then we will get back to our presentation. Are people seeing the clip? Okay, let me uh, reload that. I'm going to go ahead and stop the timer, and we will try that again.
All right, third time is a charm. Okay, so we're having a little bit of difficulty with the video. Some of you are able to see and some of you are not. Uh, you can always check out this video later. Uh, so I'm not going to close it again since some of you are able to see it. And the link is right there. If you'd like to go directly, we'll give you a few extra seconds if you want to click and go directly. Okay, uh, we are going to go ahead and wrap this up in a couple of seconds, and let Scott go ahead with his presentation. I've posted the link over in the chat, so you are welcome to watch that at your leisure. So now I would like to introduce Scott, who will be talking about using the series to teach natural history and encourage appreciation of nature. Scott, take it away. Scott, is your audio on? Okay, well what we will do, Jordan, are you there? Sure. What we're going to do is I will skip ahead a little bit and let you go ahead and do your part of the presentation, and then we will um, jump back to Scott once we get his audio back working again. Oh, sure, no problem. So I will forward the slides, and there you go. Hello, I'm Jordan Brown. I'm a curriculum advisor for Dinosaur Train, and uh, Scott Sampson and I work closely with the writers and the producers, figuring out. Uh, what kinds of science concepts we can teach, and how best to teach them for an audience, our audience of the three to six-year-olds. And today, um, I'm, there, I'm going to talk briefly about some of the ways that we've tried to help children to think, act, and talk like scientists. And as many of you know, children from that age group are actually, in many ways, natural-born scientists. I mean, children. Uh, I have a preschool. Uh, daughter myself, and I, I know they're, they're constantly asking questions, they're eager to explore the world, to make connections, to, to come up with a theory that every, everything makes sense, 
They're always coming up, even if they don't know the word hypotheses, they're always coming up with them. Hey, what would happen if? Or they're looking for clues. Um, they're always noticing details. So um, the similarity between preschoolers and scientists is actually a lot closer. Um, and, and our characters in the show, Buddy and Tiny and the other siblings, are always um, modeling what, uh, what scientists do. Um, on this screen here, I have a quote that I came across when I was developing the curriculum goals for the series. I'll just read it quickly to you because um, it sort of encapsulates um, some of the bigger ideas of what it means to be scientifically literate, um, whatever your age. Uh, science literacy means making sense of the world around us, being able to consider alternative explanations for what we observe, and to think sensibly about evidence and uncertainties. Not surprisingly, that is what paleontology is all about. And one of the things we tried to do across the, the stories in the series and on the website was to really emphasize the idea that there's more than one answer. That uh, if you're looking for what, what is the, the purpose of a, um, a feature on a dinosaur, like the, the plates on a stegosaurus, the answer might be that it's not just one answer. There might be multiple answers. Or maybe your first guess might be such and such, but then you gather more evidence and you test ideas and it turns out you draw a different conclusion. The educational mission for Dinosaur Train, um, as Hallie was mentioning before, is really to spark children's interest in the natural world. Um, so we're using dinosaurs as a vehicle to talk about um, how animals, how the, the natural world works, um, how uh, habitats, how all animals within an area are closely connected to their habitat, and we're developing the general inquiry skills and giving them the knowledge that they can explore the world as scientists. Um, now, it's interesting. One of the things we try to do is that children know a lot of things about dinosaurs. That's you know, a, a big, big topic. Kids have a huge interest in dinosaurs. Love to imitate being dinosaurs. And I think there's you know, children who watch Dinosaur Train. They're not, of course, thinking, "Oh, dinosaurs really rode trains millions of years ago." But there are a number of big ideas that we tried, myths that we tried to um, debunk uh, over the course of the series. Uh, for example, the idea that uh, in the first case, all dinosaur species lived at the same time. Um, but by having the three different time periods of the Mesozoic era, we were able to illustrate you actually have to travel through a time tunnel to meet a particular dinosaur species because they didn't live at the same time. Um, many children and other adults believe that early humans and dinosaurs lived at the same time, uh, when in fact there, was, there were no humans around to, to see the dinosaurs. We're having to use fossils um, and comparisons to modern animals to, to figure out what, um, what dinosaurs may have been like. Um, another common myth is that any big uh, animal would, um, from, that lived in the, the time of the, the Mesozoic era or the age of the dinosaurs was in fact a dinosaur. But there were um, many other kinds of animals which we get to meet across the series. We're um, uh, seeing some, some uh, mammals, uh, some ocean animals that were not dinosaurs, um, pterosaurs like the pteranodon. And uh, we also got a chance to know uh, that children believe that people know for sure what dinosaurs sounded like and how they moved. And this is all inference by comparisons to modern um, animals. And finally, uh, as uh, I know Dr. Scott Sampson is going to get to, the, the belief that all dinosaurs are extinct. And there are many, um, I, I'll let Scott explain more, but uh, there's in fact a number of many, many, many creatures that are around today that are technically, many scientists believe, are dinosaurs. Uh, 
Um, and another thing we're trying to do with uh, with getting children to think about dinosaurs, like in the clip that some of you saw, we're trying to say any animal, whether it's a dinosaur uh, that they're exploring on the train, or an animal or an insect you see in the the backyard. Um, or a bird you see flying in the trees, you can ask a lot of the same questions that will really help you learn more and, and help you compare species as well. Um, another thing we did is from the beginning we set a very high standard for the, the kind of language we wanted to use and the concepts we wanted to use. We had been uh, advised and we all sort of had the sense that you know kids are, are will rise to the level of um, of what we want to teach, you know, what, what we want to present, and they'll be curious. So, so we didn't shy away from terms like hypothesis. I mean, almost every episode, Buddy, as one of his little catchphrases, is "I have a hypothesis," and that's explained in, you know, our simple definition that often Tiny, his sister, will explain is, "Oh, that's an idea you can test." Um, and one of the things that we discover is that in some of the episodes of the series, Buddy is able to come up with an idea where one of the other characters comes up with an idea and sometimes they test it and it turns out it's not right and, and Buddy's not crestfallen. He he just says, oh, okay, and you know, he moves on to the next idea like, like a real scientist um, and he learns that it's okay to, to, to be wrong. Some of the terms the kids will they come across the series uh, are um, uh, herbivore, carnivore, and omnivore talking about the diet of the different animals. Um, the word species even comes up in the, the title song. Um, feature and like what is an animal's feature? Uh, Buddy's always very curious of why does this dinosaur have this kind of teeth, or how come this dinosaur can fly or can't fly, or why does a dinosaur have feathers? Um, and we also there's an episode where they within the Mesozoic era find discover a fossil, and so we got we were able to get into that topic of uh, what what is a fossil and, and how are fossils formed, um, and then. What I'm going to do is take a, a quick tour of some of the features of the Dinosaur Train website that is expanding um, over the next few months and even over the course of the series in connection to the various episodes that will be on the air. Now, um, I think the first thing I'd like to do is go to the um, let me see. I'm going to, if I want to go to the uh, here we go. I'm going to go take you to the Dinosaur Train website. Oh, let me just see. PBS. I'm sorry. Let me just type this in. Um, oops, bear with me. Okay, let's see if this does it. Did it. Now, uh, uh, this is the home page which some of you have, have perhaps been to before. In the dinosaur train area, there's some online games that are meant specifically um, for use by kids. Um, in this area over here, I just click it, click it quickly to look in here. These are some of the games. Um, one of them I'd like to give a quick peek into is this game called How Big Are You? Because it's very difficult for, uh, for young children to conceive of how big some of the dinosaurs are. And so this is an activity in which the conductor uh, helps them using non-standard measurement to figure out what um, what if you want to try clicking it. Let me see if, if you're on this page yourself. You'd measure. You'd look at the dinosaur and you'd see 
how many, you're given three choices, how many of a, a familiar modern day animal like a shark or a cow um, or there's a variety of animals compare to the size of a, like an Argentinosaurus, one of the largest dinosaurs ever, or whether it's a, a T-Rex, you're saying uh, how, how that animal compares. Now I'm going to go down here below the children's area at the bottom it says for teachers, TV schedule, and uh, yeah, for parents. I'm going to go into the teachers area and I'm going to give you a peek at two of the uh, lesson plans that are on right now. And the goal of these is to say how can we take some of the concepts that are presented in the series and how can we have them be expanded and explored within the classroom. Um, there's one activity here called a colorful hypothesis. And like all the activities that are presented on, uh, on the Dinosaur Train site, there's a, a summary of the, the learning goals. It tells you what materials you need. In this particular um, activity about hypotheses, really the goal is to help a child understand what a hypothesis is, because it's a term that Buddy uses all the time. And it's an opportunity to apply that, apply that term by investigating something they are familiar with, which is the idea of color, and that blending colors leads to new colors. Um, and so in the course of this activity, uh, children learn, they, they will watch a clip from, the, I won't play it now, but they can watch a clip in which Buddy talks about uh, his, uh, I have a hypothesis. And then um, there, there's a chart that's available, a PDF file that can be opened up that will help students collect their data about different color measurements. So they could say, what happens if I measure, if I mix red and blue, or and using food coloring, they might say, well, what if I use 10 drops of blue and only 5 drops of red, what color might that be, or how purple might that be? And for some of the older children, maybe even 6 and up, it might be fun for them to take a color and to have someone to work backwards and figure out, well, how did they get that color, uh, you know, mixing just two different colors? And let me take one more peek at the other activity that's up here online, if I can find it. I think it goes this way. Um, this is an activity based on uh, an episode with Tank Triceratops, in which we're learning that he's an herbivore that eats a lot of plants. And um, there's a very funny song called Hungry, Herb of Hungry, Hungry Herb Herbivore that's in that. Um, and in this one, did I just lose that there? Let me just go back. Uh, I can't do that. Um, in any case, in this hungry herbivore activity, the idea is that children are looking for ways, looking for modern animals that eat only plants, and also figuring out in their own diet what are some plants and vegetables that they um, enjoy and appreciate. I think we're uh, we're going to get ready to turn things over to Scott, perhaps. All right. Thank you, Jordan. We You're are going welcome. to indeed uh, jump backwards a little bit now and go back to Scott. Can you all hear me? Yes. Yes. You are loud and clear now. Excellent. All right, can we go back to my first slide, please? Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, the one after that. Perfect. Um, hello, everybody. It's a real pleasure to be here and to be talking to folks around the country and even around the world. Uh, I guess good evening to most of you and good morning in Australia. Um, dinosaur train. The first two questions that come up are why trains and why dinosaurs. The train. I have to admit, I took a step back when I first heard about those two words being put together on this show. But the train turns out to be a spectacular vehicle for traveling around time and space. I mean, after all, we do want to experience different parts of the age of dinosaurs, and we need a vehicle. And a train turns out to be perfect for that. If for no other reason, then preschoolers are really attached to trains. 
Um, and then why dinosaurs? Well, dinosaurs are arguably the most popular um, area in science, and not even just for preschoolers, but certainly preschoolers all love dinosaurs. You could ask the question why, and I would argue that uh, dinosaurs are popular because they're big, they're bizarre, and they're extinct. They're basically all gone. So um, they're monsters, but they're kind of safe because they're not, they aren't around anymore. But I'll throw a caveat on that and come back to that in a minute. Now, with dinosaur trains, we aren't just out to teach about dinosaurs. The last thing we want to do is to take, have kids take away only new dinosaur names. Certainly there, are, there will be some new and unfamiliar names, which the kids will be much better at pronouncing than the adults. But that really is just the tip of the iceberg for us. We want to go far beyond that. And dinosaur paleontology turns out to be a great vehicle for doing that as well because it sits on the cusp of two major spheres, the two major spheres of the natural sciences, the earth and the life sciences. So you can really delve into both. With adults, dinosaurs can be an access point to talk about everything from genetics to global warming. With preschoolers, dinosaurs are wonderful to talk about the diversity of plants and animals, volcanoes, all kinds of different topics. And we explore a lot of these in Dinosaur Train. We also try to answer questions. Why are some animals brightly colored and others dull? Why are some animals uh, fast and others slow? Why are some animals giant, like T-Rex that you're seeing here, and others are smaller? Uh, and so we do get into questions like that. And in doing so, we're actually trying to get kids to think like scientists. And many people think you have to go to school for a very long time to think like a scientist, but that's not true at all. Preschoolers can be wonderful scientists, as I'm sure many of you know. You can ask. Um, they can ask some of the most spectacular questions, and you can get them to think critically, to actually make observations, come up with ideas, and then test those ideas by making more observations. Uh, and we think that Dinosaur Train does that quite successfully. So with this example for, for right here, this fossil is a, is a fossil bird, in fact the oldest known bird. But we've now got dinosaur fossils that have feathers as well. And on the wings of this particular bird, if you look closely, you'll see the impressions of feathers. We've found feathers on a number of dinosaurs, which took a lot of people by surprise, um, and forced us to rethink what we know about dinosaurs. We used to think of them as pretty slow and sluggish and things like that. And now they've sort of been reinvented and supercharged. And what we do in this show is, is really encourage the kids to go out there and Get a hypothesis like Buddy does in almost every episode. Come up with an idea about why something is the way it is, and then try and test it. And that's what we do in the show. We can look at animals like this. This is Deinonychus. It's the first known raptor dinosaur. It caused a, a literal revolution in dinosaur paleontology. And it's the kind of animal that we feature in Dinosaur Train because it brings us to ask a lot of interesting questions. Before Deinonychus was discovered, we used to think of these dinosaurs really as not very smart, kind of sluggish, kind of boring animals in some ways, just lumbering around these ancient landscapes. After the discovery of Deinonychus, we realized that dinosaurs were in fact closer to birds than to reptiles. And in fact, almost overnight, they were reinvented. And they're dynamic, they're fast, they have complex behaviors. And Dinosaur Train goes a long way to communicate the latest cutting edge in dinosaur paleontology. Um, many of the dinosaurs featured in the show will not be found in your average textbook. Some of them have only been named in the last 
few months or the last couple of years, there's Arictodromeus, a burrowing dinosaur, a little dinosaur that burrowed underground and actually hatched, kept its eggs there and hatched and protected its young underground. There's Microraptor, a tiny little feathered dinosaur that probably lived most of its life in trees and probably ate insects. And burrowing and insect-eating dinosaurs are certainly a far cry from the way we viewed dinosaurs when I was growing up. And it's a really new and exciting time in the science, and we try and get kids engaged in that. Another really important point that we make over and over is that we don't know everything. So the point of these live action segments is to talk about not just what we know, but how we know it. But we also talk about what we don't know. And we say we think this, or paleontologists think that, but we make it very clear that there's still many discoveries to be made. And often the textbooks, even for, you know, for the grade school all the way through, kind of make it seem like we've pretty much figured it all out. And what we try and show in Dinosaur Train is that the opposite is true. We're just scratching the surface. There's many new and exciting discoveries to be made. There have been more dinosaurs named and described in the last 25 years than in all prior history. So when all these preschoolers grow up, there's still going to be plenty for them to do if they're so interested. And that statement applies not just to dinosaur paleontology, but to virtually all areas of science. And we really want kids to get hooked into science early and stay hooked and know that they can make dramatic contributions to our understanding of nature. And in order to do that, we think adults are a very important part of this. And a lot of the activities that Jordan talked about are things that can be used online with the guidance from adults to really get kids hooked in. So that brings me to another point that Birds are a spectacular modern connection. Um, Jordan and Hallie, I think, both mentioned that one of the things we do in these live action segments is relate these ancient animals, dinosaurs or other things that lived with them, to the modern world. And we compare features of these fossil creatures with features of modern day animals. And that gets kids to think differently about animals that are alive today. And the best and most spectacular example of that is birds. This is a kestrel, but all living birds are in fact dinosaurs. Dinosaurs did not go extinct 65 million years ago, contrary to popular belief. They are still all around us today, flying in our backyards, appearing on our Thanksgiving dinner plate. And they, if we look at birds in that way, it gives us a connection to this long story of the earth that we're all a living part of. And it gives us connections to understand nature very differently. Imagine encouraging preschoolers to go outside into their backyards and look for dinosaurs. And not just look for them, but actually make observations about dinosaur behavior. Well, what are they doing? Why are they living in groups? Why are they making nests there? What are they eating? What's the role of this particular bird in this place? And birds are so common in most habitats around the world that they make great examples of getting kids outside getting them into nature. And so ultimately, if we do our jobs right, we can turn kids into backyard scientists. And it might seem a little odd for a, a television series to um, be encouraging kids to turn off the TV and go outside. But that's effectively what we're doing. We want kids to really go out there and experience nature firsthand. And uh, I and many others would argue that this is critical not only to the health of our children, but even to the health of the planet. That 
children who grow up with lots of first-hand contact with nature tend to be healthier overall, mentally, physically, in all kinds of ways, emotionally. Um, but also sustainability is a concept that may depend on people knowing and caring about the places they live. And of course, that's not likely to happen if people don't get access to those places, access that's guided by adults. So I think that we can go a long way towards getting kids hooked into nature and keeping them passionate about it through shows like Dinosaur Train. And we've really gone a long way to, to try and do that with the show itself and then even further with the website with all kinds of activities for teachers and parents to do both at home and in the classroom. So in closing, I just want to say that um, Dinosaur Train is, uh, the train is a great vehicle. Um, and it can take us all through time and space. It can connect us from the ancient past back to the present day. And it can actually get kids more interested even in where they live and get them outside and learning about that place. And we think that that's critical as well. So with that, I think I will wrap it up. And uh, I think all of us would be happy to answer any questions that you folks might have out there. So Tamara, I'll turn this back to you to guide us to next steps. All right. Thank you, Scott. Uh, we have two questions that were just asked that are for you. And then I'm going to, after you answer those two questions, turn it back over to Steve who has been tracking questions throughout the event. So Scott, for the first one for you is, is there a place to purchase real dinosaur bones to give the children something to hold? <laughs> is there a place to purchase real dinosaur bones? That's a very problematic question. And the short answer is, is yes and no. Um, yes, you can do it if you go online and, and look for dinosaur bones for sale. You'll find lots of them. Um, but beware that many, most of those bones are illegal in the sense that they were illegally collected. They're not illegal to own, but in general, I discourage people from um, purchasing dinosaur bones because it supports an illegal market on the purchase of fossils. So I would say no to purchasing real bones. Having said that, there's a number of companies like Bone Clones, for example, that make excellent replicas that are not nearly as fragile, much better for kids that you can pass around a classroom and not worry about these things breaking. They're very durable. Everything from a T-Rex tooth to a T-Rex skull, for that matter, and all kinds of other dinosaurs and, and parts of the body. And so yes, there's lots of um, materials out there if you care to look. Okay, thank you. And the next question is, is there anything showing children where these archaeological sites are and pictures of actual digs? Well, that's a great question. Um, certainly, if you were to go online and do some search on some dinosaur websites, um, you will find a number of sites um, that have information on dinosaurs and where they're found. Um, I work with the Utah Museum of Natural History, and we're in the midst of a major upgrade of the website there that um, will include all kinds of pictures of people digging and doing their stuff. I would imagine that Museum of the Rockies in Montana, where Jack Horner is based, would have similar kinds of things, that the Smithsonian Institution would likely have some stuff online, and the connection there is a fellow named Matt Carano. So, is there a centralized place where you could find all this information? Uh, not that I know of offhand, but is there lots of information available on the web? Yes, for certain. All right, thank you. And um, I'm going to uh, go ahead and turn this back over to Steve, who's been tracking questions as we've gone through. And we do indeed have about 10 more minutes for Q&A. So I think there was one.
Steve, are you there? We're having trouble hearing Steve. Jenny, do you have uh, access to his question? I do. Um, I let's do. See. Um, let's see. So one of the questions, so one was, of the questions from Greg, was from Greg. And he asked, is there anything asked, showing there children where the children where these archaeological and pictures and pictures of actual digs? I think we just answered that question. We we answered uh, the two questions that were directly for Scott. Yeah, that question was answered. Yeah, that question was answered. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, sorry about um, that. Um, Let's see. Let's see. People asked about People being asked able to access the videos. So if someone could clarify, so someone where, could those clarify where those videos will be available, that would be, be great. great. I know that there's, there's um, an echo happening. So I might type this answer, but you can see episodes on the Dinosaur Train website, pbskids.org/dinosaurtrain, and also there are episodes available for download on iTunes. Okay. Um, with the echo we're having here, if anybody has a uh, question at this point, if you could go ahead and type it into the chat, even if you have typed it before, and we will attempt to answer them as they come in. There are a couple other questions I just um, saw. One of them was um, about the age range. It said these these activities are geared for ages three to six. Is it possible to modify the materials for K to two? Um. I don't know who's, who do you want to address that? Jordan, that would probably be best for you. Sure. I mean, the, the, the target audience is really thought to be uh, three to six with some things expanding. I mean, in terms of the kinds of things that Scott was, was addressing as well, the, the getting out and exploring nature aspect. And there's a number of activities that could definitely be adapted um, or simplified to explore. I mean, there's some activities in which uh, some of them are based on, on craft things, some of them are hands-on um, experiments. I think with as long as there's adults, whether they be teachers or parents, supporting the children then, you know, and, and helping to interpret, I think some of them could definitely be, um, be experienced. Some of the vocabulary might have to be simplified, but not necessarily. Okay, thank you. Anybody else then, have a question um, they would like to type in? Oh, go ahead, Jenny. Sorry. But one more question that um, was submitted by Mrs. D was: Are there any tech integration activities that could be used on an interactive whiteboard, for example? Um, this is Nicole with the Jim Henson Company. Hi, everybody. I'll jump in here. We haven't created anything for a whiteboard yet. Um, but that's something that we're definitely interested in doing. So we'll be sure to keep everybody up to date on PBS Teachers. And I uh, see Jenny Brandon has also asked, can episodes be accessed at PBS Kids all the time? So I can use them in the school. The pbskids.org website uh, has clips and some episodes that are available. They might rotate in and out so that we keep the site fresh. The clips that are available on PBS Teachers are permanent and can be streamed anytime. Any other questions? We can take one or two more and then we will go ahead and start wrapping up for the evening. 
Okay, well, if you'll uh, pardon me fast click for a minute, we're going to jump back to the end of our slide presentation. Uh, we have one more question that jumped up. Uh, can the episodes be downloaded? Um, Nicole, I don't. Can you take that? I, I believe we're sure. offering streaming at this point. Is that correct? Uh, well, at iTunes, um, they are available for download. Okay. Excellent. And so uh, we will talk about the upcoming events for PBS Teachers Live. And so we have on October 7th coming up, Teaching About Place with Ken Burns, the National Parks, America's Best Idea. And on October 22nd, we are going to do a tour of the new PBS Teachers website. It launched back in June. And we will give everybody a chance to ask questions and have a tour and see where we are going with that. And on November 10th, we will talk about education in the digital age, frontline digital nation. And then on December 10th, we will be joined by our colleagues from PBS TeacherLine for a discussion on the online professional development resources that are brought to you by PBS. If you haven't had a chance to look at the new PBS Teacher site, you can visit it today. Uh, it's already up and launched and ready to go to find over 7,000 free lesson plans, activities, interactives, and videos across the pre-K through 12th grade spectrum. Uh, be sure to sign up to be a PBS teacher if you would like to have access to our discussion boards, as well as the ability to save found resources to your personal PBS teacher's dashboard. And we also have a great new feature that launched earlier this year called the Activity Packs. It's one of our most popular features and currently covers grades 3 through 12, although we will be adding resources for preschool and early elementary as the year goes. The activity packs focus on a curricular theme and include links to great PBS resources and supplemental activities, some of them original to the materials already available on the program sites. If you'd like to participate in a follow-up discussion about tonight's webinar, you can visit the discussion area on the PBS Teachers site, and a discussion thread has already been started. You can tell us what you thought of the webinar, or you can tell us how you're planning to use dinosaur training in the classroom. We'd love to hear your ideas. I want to say thank you to our partner, Classroom 2.0, for their support of the PBS Teachers Live series. And you can become a member of Classroom 2.0 by visiting the URL on your screen. I also want to thank Illuminate the platform used for tonight's webinar. There will be an archive of the webinar available within approximately two days, and you'll be able to access the full version of the webinar as well as an audio recording and a chat log. Um, and I want to thank the presenters and the participants tonight. It's been an engaging conversation. And thank you for your time. Uh, two things now. Steve is going to post a survey for you to provide feedback on tonight's webinar. If you'd like a certificate of participation, this is where you need to be sure to provide us with your email address in the survey, and we will send you a certificate of participation. Uh, after you take the survey, we will also hang around for a few minutes if you have any additional questions uh, for PBS Teachers Classroom 2.0 or our presenters this evening.
So thank you to everyone. Uh, yeah, I was trying to type the answer to the National Parks question, but I discovered it would just be easier to say it um, aloud. So um, in answer to Greg's question, he'd love more um, info about the National Parks webinar. That webinar is coming up on October 7th. It's going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Again, it'll be for an hour, so 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern. And it's going to feature um, a group of curriculum experts who are going to be talking about um, using uh, GIS technology to teach kids about the national parks and and place-based education and um, and someone talking about uh, digital storytelling projects that you can use with your students to help them learn about the parks or any you know array of other uh, topics. So it's a great tech integration. Um, focus during that event. We'll also be showing clips from the film and giving folks an overview of the educational resources that are going to be available very soon on the National Parks website. So we hope everyone will join us for that event. Again, it's on October 7th from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And presenters will stay on the line for about four more minutes in case anybody else has any last minute questions. And at nine o'clock, we will go ahead and wrap it up.
Thank you for the applause. I see coming up on the screen. I want to make sure our presenters hear that too. Pam, yes, uh, go ahead and is, if you can type whether this is your correct email that appears as your uh, screen name, I will just go ahead and make that change. Let me know via the chat. Okay, Pam, I'll copy and uh, keep that. Thank you. Okay, presenters, I think everybody has uh, wrapped up their questions. I appreciate you all being on the call tonight and excellent presentation. Thanks, everybody. Thank you very much. Yep, this is fun. Thank you all very much. Good night. Have a good night. Good night. Good night.